This show is produced by the Hartman Media Company. For more information and links to all our great podcasts, visit HartmanMedia.com. Welcome to the Solomon Success Show, where we explore the timeless wisdom of King Solomon and the Bible as it relates to business and investing. False prophets and get-rich-quick schemes are everywhere. Let's not be distracted by these. Instead, let's go to the source, the eternal principles that create a life of peace, power, and prosperity. Here's our host, Jason Hartman. It's my pleasure to welcome Art Alley to the show. He is founder and president of Timothy Plan. Art, welcome. How are you? Excellent, Jason. Good. Good to have you on the show. Well, it's great to have you on the show. And I know you're coming to us today from Orlando, Florida, not too far from where I am in South Florida. Talk to us about biblical investing. What is that? Well, it's uh, actually a whole movement that's finally taken on some velocity a little over 24 years ago. It really hit me that my clients, and I've been in the investment business 45 years now, I was helping invest in companies, and, and I dealt pretty much with the Christian community, helping invest in companies that were funding and directly involved in unbiblical, unholy agenda stuff like abortion, pornography, anti-family entertainment, goes on and on. Oh, how, about, and here, oh, how, we how, were, how about just crookery and dishonest dealings? <laughs> it seems like I run into that all the time. Oh. Well, you know, that's just kind of standard fare in this culture. Right, yeah. It's sadly, crazy what's sadly happened. It you is. know, the yeah. values have turned completely upside down, Jason. Yeah, I know, I know. But not for us and yeah. not for our clients and our shareholders. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what does it mean, though? Define it for us. Well, it starts with the understanding that every Christian, I think, would confess to, it all belongs to God. When I ask him whose money is it, well, it's God's, of course. Mm -hmm. Well, then he has some pretty strict standards that he expects us to follow in handling his money, whether it's the way we spend it, whether we get head over heels in debt with it, or how we invest it once we have enough and have accumulated enough to start doing that. Mm -hmm. And in today's culture, you know, domestically, for example, we invest, we've got funds that invest in stocks, we've got funds that invest in bonds, we've got funds that actually invest in inflation-sensitive things like commodities. Uh, We also have international funds. But domestically, there are about 8,000 publicly traded companies that are large enough for us to invest in. Mm Mm-hmm. The problem is a number of these publicly traded companies, which has nothing to do with the products or services they provide, are pursuing an unholy agenda. Tell us uh, about that. Whether they're funding yeah. Planned Parenthood, mm-hmm. or whether they're producing abort efficients, whether they're major sponsors of pornography, distributors of that. Uh, corporations are funding a lot of what's wrong in America today. Oh, sure. No and question about we it. drew that line in the sand and said, you know what? We are not going to invest one penny of any shareholder's money in any of those companies. Mm-hmm. Let's divide this up if we can, because I'd like to take an, a whole nother perspective look on it, not necessarily right away, but I just want to make sure we get to it in our talk today. One perspective is, what the person or company receiving your investment funds does, how they manage it, what kind of steward they are of that money. That's one 
component. But the other component is how we ourselves handle it and, you know, how we view things like leverage and debt and, um, you know, our own sort of personal side of it. You know, one is, I guess I'd call it, one is the sort of the internal perspective on biblical investing, and then the other one is the external perspective. And you've talked about the external perspective, you know, and I can definitely see what you're saying there. But I'd like to also make sure we address the internal perspective a little bit if we can. You know, that there's so many biblical stories, the five talents comes to mind, etc. I'd call that more of an internal story. In other words, how the person with the money to invest views investing, right? Well, actually, uh, Jason, it's all internal. Okay. In other words, when you invest, you don't give a company the money. Mm -hmm. You actually own shares of that corporation. Right. And so if that corporation is pursuing some unholy agenda, you're participating in that. Sure. That's pretty internal. So yeah, we will, on that side of it, refuse to own any company Mm -hmm. funding evil. Yeah, right. On the internal, you're right. In fact, I wrote an entire nine-hour biblical stewardship study course several years ago on everything God says about money, which he says more about that, as you well know, than any other subject in the scriptures. But all of the training, and your audience is probably the same as you and I have been, all of our training in handling money has come from the world, not from the church and studying the word of God. So no wonder we're in a mess because we know who the God of this world is. And uh, Satan has uh, a strong, in fact, I believe it's his strongest bondage hold on Christians and non-Christians alike. And that's money because that's central to everybody's life. Yeah. Whether you're earning it, uh, saving it, getting out of debt with it, investing it, Money is central, Mm -hmm. and if you handle it biblically, you are free. If you don't, you're under bondage to that money, and that becomes your God. Yeah, right, right. It is definitely a very important means of exchange. It impacts almost every area of one's life. I remember many years ago uh, sitting in church, and the pastor was talking about how we are all just stewards from birth to death. You know, obviously, you can't take it with you. So you have to manage it wisely during your lifetime. And uh, mm-hmm. there are ways to do that. You know, you can hoard and never invest. You can you know, saving versus investing. Those are two different things. I'd be kind of interested uh, for you to talk. I had uh, Dave Ramsey's number two guy on the show. I did not have Dave on the show, but I'd, I'd be sort of interested to hear your your take on the Dave Ramsey philosophy, which, by the way, I believe is good for most people. It's just not an investment strategy. I think it's a good get out of debt and saving strategy, but not an investing strategy. I think that's where Dave kind of leaves off. Love to get your thoughts on that. Well, I consider Dave a friend. I Mm -hmm. know Dave, uh, his program is really good. It is focused on getting out of debt, which is one of the biggest problems people have today. Mm -hmm. So it is a good program, but there's very little scriptural, very little biblical principles. And like you say, he doesn't even get into investing. Right. In fact, he refers uh, some of his listeners directly to the Timothy plan mm-hmm. because he knows we do it biblically. Good. Anything else about some of the lessons in the Bible, uh, you know, maybe specific lessons, five talents, or King Solomon, the, the namesake for the show, 
Anything you want to share there? Well, King Solomon was, uh, you know, by consensus, the wisest man that ever lived because he asked God for wisdom and good judgment. However, like all the rest of us, he kind of straight anybody who has 300 wives and 700 concubines <laughs> isn't all that wise, in my opinion. Yeah. But we won't get into that today. But, right. you know, he did understand. And, you know, the book of Proverbs is just pure wisdom. Ecclesiastes. Ah, love Ecclesiastes is my favorite. Yeah. He had it all. Uh-huh. And he says, that's not where happiness is. It's how you relate to the creator of the universe. And that's the ultimate and the end of all things. In fact, in my biblical stewardship seminar, I kind of challenge people because, you know, we think we know what we're doing and we're approaching it from the world's understanding of handling money. Mm-hmm. And that's not God's understanding. In fact, it's just the opposite. And the question I, I would pose to people is, do you know anybody that doesn't want to make more money? Anybody. <laughs> right. And the answer is no. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's probably a few people out there, but everybody wants to. And it's, if only I had more money, then I would be happy. So when you make more money, what do you want? Yeah, more money. <laughs> more. And yep. when you make that, what do you want? More. more. Yeah. It never it ends. never ends. If accumulating money was the answer to happiness, why are the wealthiest people in the world the most miserable? Yeah. God says, I want you to be content with those things you have. Okay, so let's just unpack that for a minute. I get the point you're making, but I want to just play devil's advocate, okay. if you will, for a second. Sure. I mean, is it fair to say the wealthiest people are the most unhappy? I, I don't know. Warren Buffett and Bill Gates don't seem terribly unhappy to me. Um, They're not all that happy. Yeah, well, okay. Me. T- tell me more. <laughs> they <laughs> may appear that way, uh-huh. but the majority are very unhappy. In fact, if you have a child on drugs or a child with a brain tumor, you'd give everything you had to solve that problem. Sure, sure. Uh, Money doesn't do it. It's not the most important thing. Nothing wrong with money. But we do not approach it from a biblical, godly perspective. We approach it from the worldly perspective, and we're upside down as a rule. Yeah. I would agree uh, for sure. And a lot of people, and I, I find myself questioning this quite a bit on my, in my own life, spend a lot of time and thought energy and effort chasing more than they need. You know, it's like, what is that perfect balance? I remember reading a study many years ago on, you know, does money make us happy? And the results of this one study I was reading about were kind of interesting. They said, look, you know, and obviously this depends where you live, and then you'd have to adjust for inflation, of course, because there's been quite a bit of inflation since I read this article years ago. It seemed to indicate that the number was like $1.5 million net worth was sort of, you know, in most of America, not the really expensive places, because that's not much in, you know, New York City, that'll do it. You know, it's like you don't need five or $10 million or or more than that, you know, about 1.5 and, you know, a reasonable income. And that's sort of this kind of sweet spot that they talked about. Now, if you adjust that for inflation, I suppose it'd probably be 2.5 million today. You'd have to adjust a little bit for geography. If you live in a really expensive place, you got to up it a little bit. But if, hey, if you live in Oklahoma City, that's more than enough, right? Any thoughts on that kind of thing? You know, America 
is really not a realistic land uh, when it comes to the entire world. Mm-hmm. Because half the world goes to bed hungry. Of course. And I'm just talking about U.S. The study was just U.S. The people you know, in yeah. poverty sure. in America have a better life than the middle class in Europe. Oh, of course. We have so much. We have too much. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, that becomes our God. And, and we begin worrying about losing it or not doing this with it. Or the, and in fact, uh, we are not open-handed. Mm-hmm. We are not sharing with the needs uh, of people. We are trying to hoard and accumulate, and that's how you get that. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with it. Some people do know how to handle it biblically, but very few. Mm-hmm. Money is Satan's greatest bondage hold, and it becomes the love of money, as it says, you know, in Scripture. Right. And, uh, and that's an uh, important it is distinction. The root it's not of all evil. And the important distinction there is the word "love," the love of exactly versus money right. itself. Exactly a lot of people right. misquote that, of course, right? Exactly yeah. right. Right. Okay. But you know, at, at Timothy, all we do is provide for those in the body of Christ that are serious about aligning their biblical convictions with the way they invest the money God has entrusted to them, and they want to do it in a manner that would be pleasing to him. How much money do you think God wants you to invest his money in abortion? Mm-hmm. Right. It's yeah. an Zero. obvious answer. Yeah. None. Yeah. Or pornography and the damage that does, or mm-hmm. gambling and that's a addiction, or yeah. alcohol and tobacco, which are addictive and anti-family in too many cases. He doesn't want you investing any money in those things. And if it's his money, all we do is provide. We actually have thirteen funds, Jason. Mm-hmm. And it's widely diversified, which is another Ecclesiastes principle. Divide your portion into seven, even eight. In other words, diversify it. Do not put everything in one basket. Oh, that's interesting. Seven or eight divisions, that's considered the proper amount of diversification? Seven to eight? According to Scripture, okay. according to Scripture, that yeah. was Solomon said, which is your namesake. Can there. you go into that a little bit? Because what does it mean in terms of diversify, like different sectors in the yeah, stock market or, or real sure. estate versus stocks sure. or whatever? Yeah. Sure. Great question. Yeah. You know, there are different asset classes. There's stocks, there's bonds, there's growth stocks, there's conservative stocks, there's aggressive stocks. There's international stocks, there's commodities, there's anything you can invest money in. There is an easy way to do it today in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. And the strategy of diversification just means asset allocation, Mm -hmm. dividing your money into different asset classes and within each class diversified into the number of holdings. In other words, in our various mutual funds, which we are, we're a mutual fund company, each one of our funds has between 50 and 100 different companies that are the professional money management firms believe are economically uh, great opportunities for people to invest in. But, you know, they're not always right. They're usually right. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's important to divide your portion, just like Scripture says, into seven, even eight. That's uh, Ecclesiastes 11.2, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it's an important principle to put everything in one place. may work out for a while when things are going well for that one place, but things do not always go well continuously, and it's just a risky way to invest.
Yeah, absolutely. Okay, good. What else do you want people to know? Maybe a question I haven't asked you. Just anything you want to share with the audience. Well, we have a lot of tools, Timothy, we've developed over these past 24 years, one of which is the evaluator. If people care, and not everybody does, unfortunately, Jason, but if people care about where the money they have invested is actually residing, we have a tool called the evaluator that we just provide for them. If they want to call our office, we'll tell them because it analyzes every mutual fund, every holding of every mutual fund, every ETF, every annuity, variable annuity. And we know what every fund holds because that's published quarterly. We cross-reference that with our screening research. And we have a team of five full-time people that do nothing but research companies that we refuse to allow our money management firms to invest in. So we can tell them how much money they do have invested in companies involved in abortion and pornography and all the rest. Mm -hmm. And it's a free service we give. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, So give out the website then. It's simply timothyplan.com or the phone number 1-800-TIM-PLAN and just ask uh, for an evaluator analysis. And we'll provide that for you for free. Your financial advisor, if you have one, should be doing that. Mm -hmm. They can subscribe to Evaluator. They all should have that tool because they need to know what's important to their clients. Mm -hmm. And if morally responsible, biblically responsible investing is important, we can provide them with the tools that can help them see where the money's invested and what they've been recommending to their clients. Mm Art, thank you so much for joining us today, and uh, we appreciate the insights. Well, it's been my pleasure, sir. Uh, Thank you. Thank you for the good work you're doing. Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes. Be sure to check out the show's specific website and our general website, hartmanmedia.com, for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Remember that guest opinions are their own, and if you require specific legal or tax advice or advice in any other specialized area, please consult an appropriate professional, and we also very much appreciate you reviewing the show. Please go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio or whatever platform you're using and write a review for the show. We would very much appreciate that. And be sure to make it official and subscribe so you do not miss any episodes. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode.